Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland. It's the Indians 7, the Yankees 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And apparently, apparently there is a curse on Progressive Field. There, there, there's a curse on the Indians versus the Yankees matchup, apparently, because... Uh, we have proven this weekend that the team that scores first will not be able to score another run the rest of the game and will end up losing and giving back the lead almost immediately and, and lose the game. So it is a curse, apparently, down at Progressive Field right now to score first in the game. How bizarre is that? How crazy was this game yesterday? that the Yankees are finally the one to jump out to a 3-0 lead after, after the Indians literally did it three days in a row. Three games in a row. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. The Indians took the lead, which is what you want to do, right? You want to score first. You want to set your pitching up. That's usually a recipe for success. You are going to win more than you're going to lose if you score first. But they give up the lead, and they blow it, and the offense can't do anything the rest of the game. Yesterday, the Yankees, of course, hit two home runs. Of course, they scored it on two home runs, just like the Indians for most of the season. That's the only way they can score runs. So they put three runs on the board in the fourth. The Indians immediately answer right back and go on to win 7-3. to three. The Yankees don't really do anything the rest of the game. So finally, Yankees fans, you know what it feels like to have, you know, the shoe on the other foot. So welcome to our world. The Indians are able to salvage one game out of the four-game series. They do not get swept. They are now 9-11, and 11, I believe, on the season. So yeah, that's all you can do, right? All you could do is move forward the next day in baseball and try to salvage a win and salvage a series and keep that momentum going into the next series. So hopefully that is something the Indians will do. All right, let's jump into it. Let's get into the storylines. That, of course, is the first storyline, the curse of progressive field right now, Uh, the scoring first curse. Before I get into the other storylines, I do have to correct an omission from yesterday because I completely forgot to do MVP for the day yesterday. Just I got talking about the team hitting stats, and it just blew right through it. And uh, James Karinchek, for striking out the side in the ninth inning, gets MVP for the day. And I was curious how he did it because he had a really low CSW for James Karinchek. You know, he only had a 28% CSW, which means he only had two swinging strikes, two whiffs, and only three called strikes. Well, if you do the math, that's only five strikes. To strike out the side, you need nine. Well, they fouled off five fastballs and one curveball. That's how he did it. Uh, They were trying to be aggressive. They were trying to hit his fastball. They just couldn't. They could not catch up to it. They could not locate it. They could not hit his fastball. So even though he didn't get a lot of swings and misses and a lot of called strikes, he got them when he needed them to finish the at-bats. But uh, yeah, he induced six foul balls in only 18 pitches. So that's how James Karinchek did it yesterday, and it was a big outing. It was a 2-1 game, 
and it's the ninth inning against the Yankees. It was it was a really good outing from Karinchek, and he would carry that momentum over to today. He would also strike out the side in his inning of work uh, on Sunday's game. So that's right. I'm jumping all the way back to Saturday to do the MVP for the day, James Karinchek. All right, now we're back in Sunday's game. Let's get into the action here. And, uh, yeah, for Mio Reyes, Fran Mio Reyes is the story of the game. He goes three for four, two runs scored, a triple, a homer, three RBIs, and a stolen base. I believe Zach Meisel coined the hashtag Fran Wheels on uh, Twitter, and I love it. I love it because he was Fran Wheels yesterday. Uh, stealing a base, his first career stolen base. On Saturday night, he hits his first career triple. He follows it up with another triple in this game. Fran Meal is giving you, uh, when they say, you know, you can't give more than 100%, I think Fran Meal is proving them wrong right now because he is giving 110% out there every at-bat, and that is awesome. And the, the offense is going to run through Fran Meal. Is it time to move him up and just lock him into the four spot in the lineup? Probably. I mean, you have the switch hitter in front of him. You can put the lefty behind him. Maybe they want to keep Rosario and Naylor, the two lefties, separate. Yeah, maybe. So maybe Fermi Reyes stays in the five hole for now. But the offense is going to run through Fermi Reyes this season. When he is on, this offense has a really good chance of being on. Um the guys hitting ahead of him did just enough, just enough to set the table. So let's get into it. Let's get into the story, the uh, how this game happened, the storyline of the two big run scoring innings. So Talion, Talion and uh, McKenzie are pitching for uh, for Cleveland and New York, respectively, and McKenzie's struggling to start this game. Talion was much more locked in, including striking out the side in the third inning. But uh, McKenzie was struggling. And uh, this is kind of our second storyline here, the pitching matchup here. And he, uh, he loads the bases in the first inning, but eventually strikes out Giovanni Urshela. His fastball was not really popping again yesterday. Uh, Manning and Underwood were talking about his mechanics and how it looked like he was doing something different with his leg swing in his follow-through. And they said it was for velocity, trying to reach and get a little more velocity. His max velocity on his fastball, he got it up to 93.4 max. His slowest fastball was 88.8, so he was averaging 91 on his fastball. He's been averaging 91.2 all year on his fastball. So, it's about average. We'll see what unlocks more velo for Tristan McKenzie as he matures, as he gets older. Will it be something mechanical? Will it be something, you know, physical? Will he will he add muscle in the offseason or something like that as he gets older? So right now his fastball is a 91 mile per hour fastball. And I think I it's okay because it's effective. It, it's being effective. So uh, he got a lot of foul balls on his fastball actually yesterday too. 12 foul balls probably saved him. Eight balls were put in play against his fastball. The CSW was only down at 23% on his fastball. Much better on the slider, 35%. Only a 26 CSW on the day. Um, he did get some strikeouts. 
McKenzie did have five strikeouts, but four walks. So that will mess up a box score pretty quickly. The walks didn't come back to hurt him. What did was the long ball. So in the fourth inning, Glaber Torres swinging at the first pitch, singles up the middle, and then Giovanni Urshela gets a fastball out over the plate, and he puts it into the bullpens in center field for a two-run home run to give the Yankees a lead. Mike Ford follows that up. He gets a fastball down and in to a lefty that is dangerous, and Mike Ford puts one out into right field for a home run. And the one to Ford just missed the spot. Austin Hedges is set up down and away. That pitch comes down and in. You miss your spot that bad to a powerful lefty, they're going to make you pay. And that's exactly what Mike Ford did. Now, the good thing is McKenzie did not get taken out right away. McKenzie gets left in the game, and he finishes the inning. He gets Sanchez to pop out. He does walk Tockman, strikes out Brett Gardner. I, I believe that might have been the expletive-laced uh, strikeout as Brett Gardner stomped back to the dugout. And then Giancarlo Stanton flies out to end the threat. So the good news is McKenzie hung in there after giving up some long balls, and he's able to retire the side after that. That shows maturity, and that's something you need as a starter, right? You need that composure as a starter. Just as much as they talk about you know, the mindset of a closer, and a closer has to be, come out there no matter what happened the day before, no matter what happened the week before, and be the closer and be that nasty closer. Starting pitchers have to do that from at-bat to at-bat, sometimes pitch to pitch. Uh, you give up back-to-back home runs, you still have to stay out there and get three outs. So the mindset of a starter could be just as difficult sometimes. And I thought McKenzie handled it very, very well. Now, the Indians finally do something to support one of their pitchers. And they start the fourth inning with three singles in a row. Cesar Hernandez has a weak single, 67.8 mile per hour exit velocity. Jose Ramirez singles. Eddie Rosario singles through the gap on the right side. Man, they love shifting around for Eddie Rosario, and he seems like he's hitting a lot of ground balls lately. Jumping over to fan graphs here for Eddie Rosario. They say his ground ball rate is only at 40.7%, uh, which is slightly above average for the last few seasons. Uh, he had been in the mid-30s, mid to high 30% range. Um his fly ball rate is down, uh, which was in, it is also 40.7%. Really? They're both at 40? Yeah, his ground ball to fly ball ratio is one. Uh, in the past, it had, been, it had been below one, which means he's hitting more fly balls than ground balls. Uh, but now it has evened out to one, something he hasn't done since 2017. So, yeah, maybe, maybe Eddie Rosario is hitting a few more ground balls. Yesterday, the ground ball squeaks through and actually makes it through and springs in Cesar Hernandez to score a run. And then Fermil Reyes comes up. And let's take a look at this at-bat for Fermil Reyes. Italian decided to attack him with fastballs. And when they attack Fermil Reyes with fastballs, they're usually up and in. That's where they're trying to go with fastballs. They don't want to leave anything down that he can drop the barrel head of the bat on and drive. They're trying to beat him up and in. They're throwing sliders down and away and fastballs up and in. The first one he swings through. The first fastball up and in he swings through. The next one is a slider way away. He lays off it. It's a 1-1 count. He gets another fastball even tighter inside. 
fouls that one off. He's now down in the count one and two, and they try to go up again, but he doesn't get it in. That's the difference. The first two are definitely on the inside edge of the plate. This one is right down the middle, if not a little on the outside of the plate. And for Mil Reyes, unloads 107.5 mile per hour exit velocity, 342 feet. Aaron Judge is drifting back on it. He had just stolen a home run from Jose Ramirez the day before. It did go for a triple, but he brought it back into the park and stole the home run. So when Judge is drifting back on this ball, everybody watching is thinking, oh no, here we go again. I mean, you could tell when an outfielder has a read on a ball and when an outfielder is just drifting back because that's your natural instincts. This one looked like he had a read on it. He jumps. It is out of his reach, over his hand, clearly over, you know, out of his reach. No chance of him catching this one. Bounces off the top of that big wall there, and uh, or that wide wall, I should say. You know, the one slider dances on and fell off, you know, a long time ago. Um, bounces off of that, goes for a huge three-run home run, and gives the Indians a lead, and the curse is real. And I think everybody, everybody watching, everybody in the ballpark kind of got that feeling of like, did we just flip the script on the Yankees for what they've been doing for us for three days? And we did. We absolutely did. So for Mio Reyes, big, big home run. And then the Indians are able to do something that they don't seem to do very often, which is not just have a big inning, but they're able to add onto it as the rest of the innings go on. They're able to score again in the fifth inning. This time, it's a leadoff walk from Austin Hedges. Hedges gets on. Rosario lines out. Ahmed. Cesar Hernandez then singles. He had two hits on the day. And that gets Austin Hedges over to third. Jose Ramirez comes up. Sack fly. Does the work. Sack fly to left field. I believe Tuckman was out in left field at this time. Because, uh, yeah, because Frazier comes into the game later. So it's Tuckman out there in left field. Tockman's throw, two hops the catcher, Austin Hedges charges down the line. I mean, I don't know if Austin Hedges has ever run that hard in his life. He slides in head first. He's safe. And the Indians have now extended the lead five to three. Then they get the leadoff hitter again on this in the sixth inning. They get the leadoff hitter on. This time for Mio Reyes with a triple. He hits one off the what used to be the out-of-town scoreboard in left field, now it's just advertisements. Now it's just LED advertisements. But you know in the 19-foot wall in left field how there's that cutout LED screen. He kind of hits the padding of that LED screen. The ball ricochets left past the outfielders. And Fermil Reyes, on his horse again, gets a triple, his second triple in his career, back-to-back games. Josh Naylor grounds out. Josh Naylor had a pretty bad game at the plate. But Jordan Luplo against a righty gets what seemed like a really slow two-seamer, maybe a changeup. It was only 88 miles per hour, I think. Uh, it seemed like a very slow two-seamer right down the middle. Luplo doubles in the left field corner, and that brings in Fermil Reyes to score. Uh, so, yeah, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool that we get the leadoff guy on in three innings and we're able to bring them around to score. But we don't stop there. After Andres Jimenez strikes out, he also had a pretty rough day at the plate. Austin Hedges gets a pitch down, down at the bottom of the zone, down and away a fastball. I don't know exactly where Austin Hedges was trying to hit this ball. 
it looked like he was trying to hit this ball for a home run to left field. Instead, he flares it into right field, and it drops in front of Judge for a single, and Luplo's able to come around and score. And now the Indians are really off to the races, 7-3. to three. And that was the scoring right there, fourth, fifth, sixth. We hit them, boom, 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 and we are up 7-3 to three and in control of this game. So, yeah. That's kind of uh, how it went yesterday for the Indians on offense. Uh, somehow we got away from the pitching there. We got into the offense, and somehow we stopped talking about the pitching for the Indians because that is sort of the final storyline here. Uh, McKenzie, even though he battled and even though the Indians were able to come back, uh, McKenzie doesn't get the win on the day. The win actually goes, and I learned how to say his name, Sam Henches. Sam Henches gets the win. He goes one and two-thirds innings. Here's the thing. Here's the thing about his name. You see it, and you see that T in the middle of his name. You blow straight through that T. That's how you say his name, Sam Henches. So we got that. That's on lock now, uh, just like we had to learn how to say Phil Maiden last year. Uh, so, yeah, he comes in. Great job out of the bullpen. Uh, nothing spectacular, right? He gives up two hits. Only one strikeout, no walks, no runs. Uh, it's just solid relief. It's solid relief pitching from Sam, and he gets his first major league career win. McKenzie only went four innings, so the win would go to the next reliever to come into the game, and that was him. And uh, he was excited about it after the game. He didn't even know until McKenzie told him. Uh, not incredible stuff yet, Um he threw. He got nine swings on his fastball. He threw 34 pitches. Nine swings on his fastball. No whiffs. They're not swinging and whiffing on his fastball. They're able to put four of his fastballs in play. Uh, so yeah. So that's something he's probably going to want to work on. The fastball was averaging 95 miles per hour, maxed out at 97. So that's pretty impressive. He also mixed that with a curveball. Just went with two pitches. Is that a thing out of the bullpen? I'm assuming he probably has a few more pitches in his back pocket when he starts. He's traditionally, you know, he's normally a starter, but working him in this way. Uh, So, yeah, so not a great CSW, an impressive CSW on the day. Only 21%, but he was able to get one strikeout and seemed in control, seemed really in control. He's a big guy. He's an intimidating lefty. There's a bright future for him pitching for the Cleveland Indians. The next person to come out of the bullpen is Cal Quantrill. Well, the Indians have this lead. Quantrill is the arm they come to out of the bullpen, and it works. Somehow it works. Quantrill goes one and a third, no hits, no runs, a walk, no strikeouts. So he's pitching to contact here. His CSW was 15%. He got a one whiff on a sinker, one whiff on a slider. Out of 20 pitches, only two swings and misses, and only one called strike on the slider. Other than that, they were swinging. They didn't even, he didn't even get many foul balls. He only got two foul balls on 20 pitches. They put four in play against him. Luckily, only one goes for hit. The rest are outs, including a chopper back to him. In fact, we need to talk about uh, the defense in that seventh inning because... Uh, it starts with Aaron Judge flying out. Rooney Odor chops one towards first base. Quantrill's able to get off the mound and field it. He proved yesterday that he is very, very athletic. Um, 
He gets off the mound to field it, goes to flip it to Josh Naylor, and for some reason, Naylor tries to catch it with his bare hand instead of that glove that's just hanging there on his right arm. Instead, he looks like a soccer goalie. He looks like someone for the Columbus crew knocking a ball down. You know the way a goalie will just throw their hands up and just, they're not going to swat at a ball, but they'll just put their hands up, let the ball just ricochet off their hands straight down into the ground? That's what Josh Naylor did yesterday to this flip from Cal Quintrill. It made no sense. It just It was just one of those moments, another Josh Naylor moment that made no sense. Speaking of Naylor, he, uh, <laughs> he is really struggling with that right field netting. He crashed into that right field netting again yesterday and uh, had the ball like bounce off the heel of his hand. He just loses all control in that netting. He slams into it like it's the outfield wall, and that's not going to work. All you're going to do is get yourself twisted up. You have to stop short of that netting and just try to get your glove up there to make a catch. You know, you can't let your body get into it, your arm, your wrist get into that netting. Uh, so, yeah, so the netting to Josh Naylor, nothing so far this weekend. Uh, so, yeah, so a weird play. But then Naylor does that thing that I think Josh Naylor is going to continue to do where he does something silly and then totally redeems himself by turning a double play on a Glaber Torres line drive, snags the line drive, and then dives back to first base to get Runo Dor doubled up and ends the seventh inning. So Naylor does some silly things, some really silly things, but he gets us out of the inning. So yeah, some defense, so some good defense actually saves us there. And uh, yeah, Quantrill, uh, Quantrill also had a good defensive play. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton chopped one back to him at 106.7 miles per hour, and he snags it to end that sixth inning. He came in in relief in that sixth inning to help out Henches and gets out of it that way. So after Quantrill, then we turn to our two big arms in the bullpen. Karen Check strikes out the side. He did plunk Gary Sanchez, but strikes out the side in the eighth. And then Class uh, A does what he does in the ninth, actually pitches to contact a little bit for a guy who's throwing 100 miles per hour, uh, gets some, I can't even say weak contact. These are hard hit. These are 103, 98, and 100. They'd all consider hard hit balls, but ground out, line out, line out to end the game. So great job by our bullpen to really lock down the Yankees and end this game. The Yankees hit us hard yesterday. I mean, the Indians give up. Tristan McKenzie himself gave up one, two, three, four, five, six, seven hard hit balls. Henches gives up two. Quantrill gives up one. And Classe gives up three. So, yeah, 10, 13 hard hit balls for the Yankees yesterday. The Indians are only credited with four hard hit balls yesterday. Vermeil raises homer and his triple. Josh Naylor had allowed out. And Jordan Luplo's double. Those are the only hard hit balls yesterday for the Indians. But they get seven runs. So yes, sometimes hard hit balls are an indication that your team is coming along, that good things are happening. And sometimes you get no hard hit, well, you get a few hard hit balls and you end up putting seven runs across because you got guys on base to be there when the hard hits come. So yeah, those are your storylines yesterday. There was also a great defensive play. Uh, Lublo almost had another hit late in the game, but uh, Clint Frazier stole it with a diving catch. Uh, he really jumped up, like got his, it wasn't one of those ones where you kind of drag your toes, 
Like, Frazier jumped for this thing. He laid out for this thing. So good catch there from Frazier. It's hard to shout out defense. It's It doesn't show up in the box score. You know, it, it, we don't get many defensive metrics like we do hitting metrics and pitching metrics. But we got to shout out good defense when we see it. So the Indians flip the script, and now they have to face the Minnesota Twins, who are coming to town for a three-game set. And the Twins, by no means, are uh, killing it. They're 7-13 and on the season. They've got a minus-9 run differential. By the way, the Indians have gotten themselves back to a zero run differential on the season at 9-11. and uh, Run differential is something we paid a lot of attention to last year. They were positive for a while until this Yankees series moved them into the negative. So now we'll see moving forward. Obviously, you score more runs than your opponent. That's a good thing. So we'll keep an eye on how that moves throughout the season because usually, you know, it, it rises to the top, right? The teams that have positive run differentials usually rise to the top. Right now, the White Sox are at plus 21, and the Royals leading the division by a game and a half are at only plus three. So they are getting it done when they have to get it done. But the White Sox are slugging, outslugging a lot of their opponents. So we got Minnesota coming to town. The pitching matchups, Monday night, it's going to be Berrios versus Plesak. And Tuesday, it's going to be Maida against Savali. So, uh, and Wednesday is unannounced. Hap's going for the Twins. I'm assuming Logan Allen gets that start, but nothing has been announced yet for the Indians. All right, so it is a big, big Central Division matchup coming up for the Indians. That's all my thoughts. Thanks for... Oh, wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. I almost did it again. I almost blew right through MVP for the day. Come on, it's for Mio Reyes. Of course it's for Mio Reyes. Sam Hedges was in contention. He did get his first major league win, but Famio Reyes was fantastic yesterday. Not only was it great baseball, it was great theater. It was great drama. It was great energy. Famio Reyes, the homer, the triple, the stolen base, he's a double away from the cycle. Famio Reyes is your MVP for the day. All right, there was also some MLB news that I almost blew right through. Uh, there's some stuff going on in the MLB uh, yesterday. Oakland had a huge winning streak. I think they were up to 12 or 13 game winning streak. It gets snapped by Baltimore yesterday. So the that's always fun when a team gets on a roll like that to see how far they can take it. And uh, that's where Oakland's winning streak stops yesterday. And that was after starting the season one and seven. So that's crazy. Uh, the Padres versus the Dodgers goes to extra innings. The Padres walk it off in 11 innings against the Dodgers. We don't get to watch it that often. I don't get to watch it. I barely have time to watch the Indians games. But it is fun to know and pay attention to what's happening there on the West Coast because the Dodgers-Padres is might be the best rivalry in professional sports right now. I'm dead serious. I don't know if there's anybody in the NBA that's as heated as the, uh, the Padres-Dodgers. I don't know if there's anyone in the NFL right now. You know, um, yeah, I mean, Browns-Steelers is always heated, but the Steelers are, you know, their arrow's pointing down while the Browns' arrow's pointing up. I don't know if there's really anyone. It's not like Brady and Manning are going at it. There's no one who's fully challenged, um, what's his name, in Kansas City. I'm in full baseball mode right now. I'll remember it in a few hours. Uh, 
challenged him for like top quarterback in the AFC. Brady's over in the NFC now. I don't know if there's there's really a heated rivalry that tops Dodgers and Padres right now. And uh, yeah, the, go check out the highlights from that series because it's pretty fun what's going on there. Trevor Bauer, of course, is mixing it up with Fernando Tatis Jr. There's a lot going on there. So pay attention to that. And then Madison Bumgarner in a doubleheader throws a seven-inning no-hitter for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They actually one-hit the uh, the Atlanta Braves over a doubleheader, over a 14-inning, you know, seven-inning, seven-inning doubleheader, one-hit them, and Madison Bumgarner gets the no-hitter, the seven-inning no-hitter in the second game of that doubleheader. So that is some of your fun MLB news going on. That's just a fun story. It was, it was an error away from a perfect game. That's just a fun story because seven-inning doubleheaders are kind of weird. And uh, so to do something like that in a already bizarre game just makes it more bizarre. So those are all my thoughts. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. We'll be back every day to talk about this Minnesota Twin Series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. <laughs>